Luke chapter 18, verse 15. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Here ends the Gospel reading. Heavenly Father, we ask that you will speak to us now by your Holy Spirit, through your living word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Do take a seat. Think of a toddler still wobbly on his feet, unable to speak even one intelligible word. What does this toddler tell you about you and Jesus? Well, that is the question for us this morning as we make a start on on this new autumn series in Luke's Gospel. We're going to be covering over the coming weeks, chapters 18 and 19, picking up from where we left off last year. The overall title for the series is The King and the Kingdom. And the Kingdom of God is really the theme of this short section that we're looking at today, verses verses 15 to 17 of chapter 18. If you're not there, do have that open in front of you, page 877. And you'll see too that there is a simple outline on the back of the yellow notice sheet. And you'll see there that my title is Jesus and the Children. So where have we got to in the ministry of Jesus by the time that we get to the incident reported here? By this stage, the closest disciples around Jesus have realized that he is the Messiah, he is God's chosen king. But they really have very little understanding of what that's going to mean for him and for them. Jesus has warned them that the road to glory lies through suffering and he will be crucified before he is raised to the throne of heaven. And they really have no clue what he's talking about and they certainly don't want to follow him on the road through suffering. But Jesus himself has set his face towards Jerusalem, where he knows that he will die. And he is slowly making his way there. And Jesus is is teaching all the time. And wherever he goes, the crowds swirl around him. He is in great demand. So there are many interruptions on this journey. And this incident that we're looking at today is one of them. And I should maybe warn you before we go any further uh, that uh, there is absolutely no way that we're going to be able to avoid reference to my little, uh, not quite toddler, maybe toddler, about to be toddler, grandson Ezra. So just brace yourself uh, for, for that as we go through this. Now take a look then at what happened. So verse 15 of chapter 18. Now they were bringing even infants to him, to Jesus, that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. Now, who's bringing these young children to Jesus through the crowds? We're not told, but presumably mainly the parents, not to say the grandparents. Uh, 
Why were they doing this? Again, we're not told explicitly except to say that they wanted Jesus to touch them. Surely that was because they wanted Jesus to bless their children. And why did the disciples try to prevent them and tell them off for trying to get through to Jesus with their infants? Well, presumably because Jesus was busy and hard-pressed. And as far as they were concerned, the disciples were concerned, these children were just too insignificant for Jesus to be bothered with them. In their minds, Jesus had more important things to do, more important people to be dealing with. So how does Jesus react? Look at verses 16 and 17. But Jesus called them to him. That must be the infants with their parents. Saying, let the children come to me and do not hinder them. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, So when he says that, what Jesus is meaning is pay very close attention to what I'm about to say because this is very, very important. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Well, this is a scene to melt even the hardest heart, don't you think? It's moving to watch in our mind's eye, as it were, these children gathering around Jesus. Mark, in his account of this same incident, in his gospel adds a little bit more detail. He says, this is Mark 10, verse 16. And Jesus took the infants in his arms and blessed them, laying his hands on them. So it's easy to jump to the conclusion that What's going on here is really all about Jesus' attitude to children. And in fact, we know that that would be to miss the point because Jesus tells us what his main point in doing this is. It's there in verse 17, and we'll come back to that. But nonetheless, no doubt there are very important secondary lessons to learn from this about children and Jesus and the gospel. And J.C. Ryle says that we should note five things from this. One, children are precious in God's sight. So they should also be precious to us and to the church. And if you are one of those who pours out time and energy and love and prayer and care, looking after and teaching children in your own family or through the life of the church here, or as you support those who do, then you need to know that what you are doing is bang in line with the priorities of Jesus. Two, young children are capable of receiving grace. Three, though this passage of Scripture does not prove the rightness of infant baptism, it is relevant, and infant baptism seems agreeable to the general tenor of Scripture, says Ryle, and I think he's right about that, though that is a topic for another day. And it's worth noting that Jesus' blessing of these children is not indiscriminate. These are precisely children who are brought to Jesus by their families for his blessing. So at some level, these are believing families who trust that Jesus is the source of blessing. 
four young children can know God through Jesus. And five young children can be saved. And we could add it's entirely appropriate for believers who have children die in infancy to assume that they are saved. We should never underestimate the capacity of children for a real and living relationship with Jesus. They may only have been born for the first time recently, but they can still be born again by the Holy Spirit. So J.C. Ryle says that this passage, I quote, is a strong testimony of our Lord Jesus Christ's care for little children. There is a deep significance in this rebuke of those who would keep infants from him. And that is surely right. And we need to take those lessons deep into our hearts and live them out in our behavior and in the ministry of our churches. But Ryle goes on, it seems probable that the principal idea in our Lord's mind was to set before us the beauty of a humble and childlike spirit and to commend such a spirit to his disciples for imitation. And he's surely right about that too. Because take a look again at verse 17, where Jesus says this as this incident comes to its climax. Truly I say to you. So he's saying, listen hard. I'm about to tell you what I really want you to learn from this. Whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So in the end, this is not about children for all that it's relevant. These infants are living visual aids for something that Jesus is teaching. And this is about our relationship to the kingdom of God. And about that there was and is much misunderstanding. The nature of the kingdom of God was much misunderstood. Who was in the kingdom of God was much misunderstood, and how to get into the kingdom of God was much misunderstood. So three questions follow from that. First of all, what is the kingdom of God? Secondly, what does it mean to have the kingdom of God? And then thirdly, how do we receive the kingdom of God? So let's think about each of those in turn. First of all, what is the kingdom of God? Jesus said, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. The other day, I don't know if you heard about it, there was a bit of a Twitter storm and a teacup about a photo, a photo of uh, Daniel Craig, a.k.a. James Bond, carrying his baby daughter in a baby carrier, otherwise known as a papoose, against his chest while he was out walking. And a certain Piers Morgan wasn't keen on the look. And perhaps he needs reminding that God himself, in the person of Jesus, took infants in his arms and laid his hands on them and blessed them. But as we've seen, that, it, that wasn't primarily a lesson about children, let alone about masculinity. Rather, it was a lesson about us and the kingdom of God. So if we're going to learn it, we need to understand what the kingdom of God is. And the first thing to realize about the kingdom of God is that it's hard to think of anything more central to all that Jesus taught. 
So Luke reports earlier in this gospel, in chapter 4, verse 43, how Jesus summed up his teaching and preaching as about the good news of the kingdom of God. And in chapter 8, verse 10, Jesus tells his disciples, to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. And of course, the Lord's prayer, Jesus' prayer begins, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. What is this kingdom? Well, I have long found very helpful Graham Goldsworthy's summary of what the Bible teaches us about this. And it is that the kingdom of God is God's people in God's place under God's rule. It is the people of God, his family, his adopted children living in the perfect place that he has created and set aside for them to be their home under his just merciful and loving rule and four things need to be said in addition to that so first of all this is an eternal kingdom our eternal life is precisely to be part of God's kingdom forever secondly this tells us what it means to be blessed because this is what we were made for, to know God, to live under his loving rule, to be in his family together with our brothers and sisters in Christ, to enjoy all the blessings of the world that he created for us to live in, and to do that forever. Thirdly, though it is an eternal kingdom, it has already begun. It began with the coming of Jesus into the world and it is growing as more and more people receive him by faith as their Lord and their Savior. And fourthly, and key to understanding the kingdom, is that the king of the kingdom is Jesus. Jesus is the king. So when Jesus arrived into the world, the king of the kingdom had arrived and in him the kingdom had arrived. And this king is both powerful and humble. His road to glory and his eternal reign as king was via the cross. He is the crucified and risen king. And he went to, went to the cross to pay for the sins of his people with his own blood. He bought us with his blood. And he adopts us into his family and brings us into his kingdom by giving us his spirit, even when we are dead in our sins and enemies of God, helpless and hopeless. What is the kingdom of God? It is God's people in God's place, under God's rule, by the grace of God, through the crucified and risen King, Jesus, the Son of God, the Father. So that's the first question. The next is this. So secondly, what does it mean then to have the kingdom of God. And I ask that because Jesus uses this very striking language here. He says of these children, to such belongs the kingdom of God. And he, and he says, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So in some sense, the kingdom of God can belong to us. We can receive it. It can become ours. We can have the kingdom of God. And that becomes true of us when we enter the kingdom. And we enter the kingdom when we become one of God's people, in God's place, under God's rule, 
bought by the blood of Jesus, our sins paid for and forgiven, lived in by his spirit, and beginning to experience all these promised eternal blessings. And to pile blessings upon blessings, not only do we enjoy all the blessings and privileges of subjects of this glorious king, we share his rule and his ownership of his kingdom. He shares that with us. This is mind-blowing but true. We become heirs of the kingdom, sharing in the glory of Jesus and in the rule of his eternal kingdom. A few weeks ago, our grandson, Ezra, moved into a new home. And it's a very nice home. And it costs far more money than Ezra has, not least because Ezra does not have any money. It was bought by his parents, Ben and Sophie. It is their home. Ezra paid nothing. How could he? He's only a one-year-old. But they have brought him into this home. And now it is his home too. And if he could speak, which he can't, not properly anyway, not intelligibly, if he could speak, he could quite rightly say, this is my home. It's mine. So it is with us and all the glories of the kingdom of God. And that's what it means to have the kingdom of God. It's all by grace. Which brings me to our final question. So thirdly, how do we receive the kingdom of God? When we have entered the kingdom of God then, we belong to God forever. We live under the powerful and loving rule of Jesus our King, adopted as his children, indwelt by his Holy Spirit, heading for heaven, destined for the new creation, which will be our perfect home for all eternity, with no sin, no Satan, no suffering, and no death. So our whole eternal destiny hangs on receiving the kingdom of God. How do we receive it? There is only one way. Like a little child. That is the simple lesson that Jesus is hammering home here. Like a little child. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. How did those infants receive that staggeringly wonderful blessing direct from the heart and the hands and by the touch of the Son of God himself? He lifted them into his arms. He looked out for them and swept aside all the hindrances and objections. He loved them. He lifted them into his arms and blessed them. He did it. Not them. What did they do? Nothing. They were just on the receiving end of it all. They may or may not, we don't know, they may or may not have lifted up their little arms as Jesus took those tiny bodies into his strong hands. It was all a gift. They had nothing to offer. They could do nothing. It's actually a long while since I last had close and continuing contact with a baby in the way that I do now with Ezra, little Ezra. 
Uh, not, of course, that it's a new experience. Uh, after all, we have raised three children, but as the years go by, you forget what it was really like. And uh, let me tell you the thing that's come home to me afresh with really strong force watching Ezra. It is this. He is completely helpless. Completely helpless. Even now, over a year after he was born, he is totally and utterly dependent on his mother and father. They pour out their love on him. They give him everything. They look after him all the time. And what does he do in return? Not a thing. Not yet. Maybe smiles now again. Giggles on and off. Loves them back. But that's it. And that is how we receive the kingdom of God. Like a little child with total trust, lifting our hands to be taken into the arms of Jesus, receiving all his blessings, giving nothing ourselves, receiving it from him and loving him back. As the old hymn says, nothing in my hand I bring, simply to the cross I cling.